You're listening to episode number 32 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about how to crush any and all of your goals in 2022. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. This is the first episode of 2022, and I'm super excited to talk about this one because it's a time when we set New Year's resolutions and we often set goals. And then we often like to forget about them by March or April, or we lose steam, or we might feel like we're on this roller coaster where we have momentum in January and then we fall off February, March, and then maybe we have momentum in April and then we fall off for a couple of months. And this can happen with any goal, with anything that we are pursuing, whether it is weight loss or something else. It's very easy to have the kind of ups and downs. And so I want to talk about how we can really crush it this year and our goals and our resolutions and really create the life that we truly want. And so there are three things that we need to focus on instead of focusing on excitement or motivation, because I think so often we get hung up on these thoughts of or these ideas of what we need to feel in order to take the action that we want. And a lot of us over rely on excitement or motivation from others. We can sometimes even rely on the results that we're getting currently in order to fuel continued action. And so I did a little research just to look at a few a few details and stats on resolutions and goals and things like that. And so 55% of New Year's resolutions are health related. So most of the country, like one out of every two people are going to have a health or fitness related goal, but less than eight people actually achieve them. And I actually think that 8% is very high. I'm actually quite surprised. And other studies show, though, that most people lose steam and interest by the third week of January. So we set really big goals. We set we have a lot of good intentions. But by late January and definitely by March, most of us have thrown in the towel. And you might think that you will be one of those 8% that, oh, wow, I can be one of them. But the reality is our habit brain is really powerful and it's constantly pulling us back into what feels safe and easy. And so we have to understand, again, how our brain works and how it operates. Your brain is designed to seek pleasure and avoid pain via the path of least resistance. And the pain is going to be real or perceived physical, mental, or emotional. That is what it wants. That's what it is designed to do, is to avoid any type of pain and to seek pleasure, to seek what feels good. So your brain is always going to be trying to keep you safe, keep you alive. It's going to be trying to do what's easy. And that can fall in in conflict with our goals, with our dreams, with these things that we're pursuing, especially when we're trying to do something for the first time, when we're trying to do something we've never done before, when we are trying to do something where maybe we don't have past evidence for, or we have past evidence to the contrary, right? You might have past evidence that you can lose weight, but it never stays off. So it feels, ah, oh, why bother? You're just going to gain the weight back again. Those are the, the kinds of thoughts that tend to come up. And we want to look at what kind of leads to this fall off, because a lot of times it's unrealistic expectations. 
right? So for many of us, it's thinking things like, oh, I can use, I can lose 30 pounds in three months, did it, or I did it in the past. So now I should be able to do it again. I should be able to lose 30 pounds in three months and keep it off, right? That's always the key here. We have unrealistic expectations. And because we think, because I should be losing 30 pounds in three months, if I lose slower than that, it's not good enough. But in order to lose the 30 pounds, you often are doing things that are unsustainable, right? So that leads to number two, which is we take unsustainable action. Our process doesn't fit the lifestyle that we want or that we have, and it requires too much initial change. And this I I saw a few years ago, I saw a friend who was doing the Whole30 and she had the group that she would do this with. And so in January, she did the Whole30, lost 10 or 15 pounds. And then again, in like April, she was talking about doing the Whole30 again. She was like, all right, guys, Summer's coming. Let's do the whole 30. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you have more weight to lose? Like you just lost 15 pounds. What? What's the problem? And then, but that next round, it was like she lost 10 or 15 pounds again. But it's the same weight over and over again because yet a third time later in the year, let's do the whole 30, guys. Because it was not sustainable. We have unrealistic expectations for what we think we can achieve, for the results that we think we can achieve. We have unrealistic expectations for how we think we can live day to day. We don't understand how the habit brain works and how it's going to want all the things that are not allowed. We rely too much on excitement to fuel our action. And we rely too much on exercise often for weight loss. So we often will do these big short bursts of action, especially when it comes to exercise, instead of looking at the smaller sustainable steps. I can't tell you how many people I have seen who have done the challenges where you walk 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 steps in a day, and you do that for maybe a week or two, and then you're like, F this, I'm not walking again for like months. Versus somebody who decides and commits to one mile a day and they just say, I'm going to walk one mile a day. And if I feel like going more one day, then maybe I will. But one mile, that's it. And think about all the more miles that they get in over the course of the year, just doing one per day instead of deciding I need to walk five miles or I need to walk 10 miles every day and you fall off after a week or two. Because then your feet hurt, you've got blisters, maybe you've developed some kind of injury, like who knows what all is happening. So we often don't have the best way of creating our results. And that's what I see here is that we often don't have a process for achieving our results and achieving our goals. We'll get to that another time. But I want to start with some more more mindset concepts here with this episode is really to be thinking, how do we start to think in a different way that's going to help get us the results that we want? Number one, the first step is that we've got to choose your heart. Everything that we do in life is going to have some aspect of difficulty. Anything that we, we try to do uh, it is going to feel hard at times. Like every new job, we might feel excited or motivated about a job, but there are, there are times when it's going to feel hard. We might have a job that often feels very easy and it still will have aspects that are hard or challenging, but there's always a trade-off. So we will always have hard things. Okay, we get to choose our hard though. You are in control of your hard and what's hard. So would you rather your hard be trying to restrict food, just say no, muster up more willpower, force yourself to exercise when you hate it. Do you want that to be your hard? Or do you want your hard to be really learning how to talk nicer to yourself right now as you're losing the weight? Not once you've lost the weight, but right now. 
Do you want your heart to be believing in yourself, to be believing in your goals and your ability to achieve them before you have the results to prove it? That can feel hard too. So everything can feel hard, but we are in control of the hard that we choose. The hard can be trying to stick to a restrictive diet and exercise our booties off, or the hard can be believing that it is enough, believing that 1% is good enough, believing that you can do this and lose the weight and keep it off, that you can end your emotional eating. And along the same vein within the choose your hard, I want to invite you to adopt this philosophy of less but better. And really watch for when your brain wants to tell you when it's not good enough. That more is better. Of course more is better. More of the good food is better. More wine is better. More walking is better. More exercise is better. Of course more is better. We have a, we've really been conditioned and our brains have been conditioned that more is better. And so this idea of less but better, can we focus on less things? Maybe it's even less action that we're taking, but we make it better. We make it more intentional. We focus on what's really going to move the needle, what's most important here. Everything in life can feel hard. And there are going to be some things that are going to be uncomfortable and challenging. And sometimes that's the best thing. Like that is where our growth is. But you get to choose your hard. So choose it wisely. Number two is change your self-concept. We have to change the way that we think about ourselves and that we talk to ourselves. And it's just like a child learning to walk or learning to use the potty. I want you to think about a kid, because, or you could think about a puppy if you've never had a kid. Think about a small animal, small child. And think about all the ways in which we praise the attempt. We don't just praise the result. We praise the attempt. We praise the, the action. And we make it a big deal. So I think about Caleb, who's one and who is now walking. And when he was taking his first steps and he would take a step and then fall over, we would cheer, we would clap, we would say yay, we would get excited. We praised and made a big deal out of the little things. We're going to start, we've got a little ways before we start potty training. But I can imagine, right, when we start to potty train him. It's, oh, you wanted to sit on the potty? Yay, good job. And we're going to praise him just sitting on the potty like nothing could happen. Then we'll praise when he goes pee-pee in the potty and we make it a big deal. And then when he goes and does it on his own, it, it's like you we make it a big deal because it reinforces that this was a good thing. We want to keep doing this. Our brain gets that kind of dopamine hit of like, oh, this was good. This is something I need to keep doing. It's how we train dogs. It's how we tra train children. It's how we need to train ourselves. And we have stopped doing that. And we have allowed other people to now do that for us. We have given other people the responsibility of creating our self-concept, of changing how we think and feel about ourselves. And we can't. We have to be in control of that. We cannot be relying on other people's thoughts or feelings, words, actions to make, to create feelings in us, to create thoughts for us, to change the way that we think and feel about ourselves. That is my responsibility. That is nobody else's. So how much are you praising your actions, no matter how small, mundane, or simple they might seem? So when we're losing weight and you're seeing the scale go down, of course it's going to feel great. Of course you're like, heck yes, this is awesome. This is working. I, this is amazing. I'm feeling so good. But we often attribute feeling good to the scale. It depends on what the scale says. That will depend on how I feel about myself or how I feel the, the thoughts that I think about me. Okay, so we want to attribute and give a lot of power to us feeling good 
to the scale when really we have thoughts about it that are really what's driving this. So again, like I just said, our thoughts about that number going down are this is working. This is worth it. I feel so good. This is amazing, right? Like we have a lot of positive thoughts about the scale and that's why we feel good, but we attribute it and we give that aspect to the scale itself when the scale is not the problem. And I have been, and I've changed my stance over the last couple of years on this because it used to be if you didn't like what the scale said, if you had some drama or anxiety around the scale, then you don't weigh. That may be okay for some people in certain time time frames, but really you are giving all of your power and all of your emotional intelligence over to the scale. You are letting something else dictate how you think and feel about yourself. And that is a relationship that needs to change. The scale is not that powerful because if the only time you feel good about yourself is when you step on the scale or it depends on what that number says, that is a prime indicator that it's time to work on your self-concept. Again, not something the diet industry is going to teach you. They're going to tell you how many burpees to do, how many miles to run, how many steps to get in. They're going to tell you to eat this, not that. They're not going to tell you how to feel better about yourself. They're just going to tell you that you feel better about yourself when you've lost the waist, when you've lost the weight. Don't worry about it right now. Don't, you'll get there. You'll feel good about you then, but it's over there. You don't get to feel that right now. Nope. Wait till you lose the weight. And we can't do that. We have got to stop giving all of this emotional power to someone else or something else. And it plays into this idea of, yeah, self-love is great, but weight loss is better. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Jillian. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's great. Self, changing my self-concept, changing the way I think about myself. Got it. But weight loss is better. And I would rather have the weight loss because once I have the weight loss, then I will change the way that I think and talk to myself. I'll love myself, but I just got to lose the weight first. And I see this come up often and it's just a natural instinct of where our brains want to go because this is how we have, this is how we've created thoughts and feelings in the past is we've thought we need some kind of accomplishment for it. I need this result in order to feel this way. But the result is at the bottom. If we think about the model, how we have our thoughts that create feelings that create actions and the actions create results, a lot of times we get hung up thinking that the result is going to create the thought about myself. No. We've got to look at what thoughts are actually going to create that result. So we have to make sure that we are, are, are changing the way that we think. And it, it's a very simple thought error to fall into. It's a simple habit to fall into of thinking this way, but it's just a thought error. This is just, it was simply something wrong that we learned. It would be like if somebody told us two plus two equals five. It's, nope, no, it actually equals four. Nope, they were just wrong. They were just mistaken. It's not a problem. We just get to start thinking this new way that two plus two equals four. Just like the whole idea around our self-concept and self-love and weight loss, and they go hand in hand. So what if self-love was actually a precursor to losing weight and being able to keep it off for life? What if you could both love yourself and change your self-concept, change the way, you, the way that you think and feel and talk to yourself, and you could be losing weight at the same time? What if we could do both together simultaneously? What if self-love and a lack of it or a lack of the self-concept was the real reason why you gained your weight back in the past? What if self-love was actually the key to ending your emotional eating? And with the self-love comes compassion and curiosity. We need to have compassion, not shame, not beating ourselves up, 
for when we make a mistake, for when we don't follow through, for when we fall back into old habits. Because so many of us think that I started this new habit, I was doing so good, and then I fell off the wagon. And we don't realize all of the time that we have spent not doing certain things, not eating clean, not drinking our water, not not moving our bodies, not going to bed by 10 p.m., you know, not doing these things like we have years and years, decades and decades of this, like habits that have been built. And now we think that, oh, six months and it should all magically be different. We've got to look at how many months we have spent not doing those things. And we need to have some compassion for ourselves and understand that this is a process. We need to have compassion after our overeats, after our emotional eats. And we need to have curiosity to understand why. Not just, well, I need to try harder tomorrow. I just need some more willpower. Let me, right? And it's this whole concept of, I, let me just try harder tomorrow. I used to do this with diets and with food. I used to do this with my time. Let me just make this diet time or this diet plan with my time and I'll figure it out. Let me just try harder next week. I'll try harder next week. And really, I just kept trying to squish and fill all of the holes in my schedule with stuff and things to try to make me feel better, to make me feel like I wasn't so far behind, to make me feel like it was good enough, that I had value and what I was doing was valuable. There were things that were so much deeper that just got covered up and it came out in how I would schedule things. It came out in how I would plan my food and restricting and saying, nope, you can have one, but you better not have two, right? Not being realistic with my plan. So part of self-love and changing our self-concept is really having compassion and curiosity for what's happening and why it's happening and really starting to understand and get to the root of it. But we can't be curious if we're blaming, shaming, and judging ourselves. So these are really important pieces that we have to look at if we want to actually hit our goals this year. This comes back to overarching goals. No matter what you are trying to accomplish this year, whether it's weight loss or other, changing how you think about yourself, how you talk about yourself is going to be like the number one most important step. And it's the number one least talked about when it comes to weight loss and the diet and fitness industry which is why I feel so hellbent on talking about it here and bringing it up every single time that I can. And it's, it's a, one of those things where we will always be working on it. Like I have worked on this for several years now. I will still continue to work on this all throughout this year, all for the next probably 10, 20 years. Like I will always be leveling up and getting better and better at it. Because I had 30 some odd years of shame and judgment and beating myself up and thinking critically and using my accomplishments to justify feeling good about myself, right? It's an easy habit to fall into or even using food, what food you did and didn't eat to feel good about yourself. Oh, I was so good yesterday. I didn't eat the pie or I didn't eat the cake or I was so good. I had a salad instead of a burger and fries. We moralize ourselves based off of what we're eating. It's just a simple, it's, it's just a habit that we learned and it's a habit that we can unlearn. And it's a habit that we can learn about productivity too. Of, oh, I've, I felt so good because I got all my meal prep done by 9 a.m. Versus feeling good about ourselves just because. Because we know that we can get things done. We know that we're resourceful. We know that we're committed. We know that we have like intentions that we will follow through on. We know that we can set realistic goals for ourselves. That we can create a process that actually works for us long term. Okay, so we've got to, we've got to focus on changing our self-concept. And number three is always be moving. 
And this is not exercise. <laughs> this, is, this is not about exercise. But it's a spinoff of power athletes phrase or tagline where they say move the dirt. And so one of my best friends, her name's Stephanie. She's amazing. And she is a power athlete coach. And she has this flag and she with a pile of dirt and then there's a shovel and a spoon. And I think it's so brilliant. I love this concept. So I'm going to totally give her credit for this. But this whole idea of always be moving, their idea of move the dirt is like you like every day be moving the dirt. Some days you're going to move the dirt with a big old shovel. Other days, you're going to be moving the dirt with a spoon. Some days it might feel like a teaspoon. It might feel like a baby spoon, right? Like it might be the tiniest of all tiny spoons, but you are still moving the dirt. And that's the whole point here is we are still moving forward. We are still making progress. Some days it might feel bigger than others. Some days we might feel more energized. We might be doing more. We might feel better. Other days it's going to be less and it's not a problem. Again, we have to go back to this idea of the compound effect and 1% improvements are good enough. 1% is good enough. That's something that we have to start to recognize, especially if you feel like there's this idea of you being good enough. It's easy to look and to be critical. If I'm not good enough, it's easy to see a lot of other things as not good enough. This isn't enough weight loss this week. It's not good enough to only have done this many miles. We really have to be aware of where this enoughness comes up. And I think enoughness is going to be its own podcast episode. But this is something that I, I know is one of my things. It's always the thing under the thing is, do I feel enough? There's that inner critic now that plays off of that and is now judging and saying that other things are not enough. It's not enough just to drink water. It's not enough just to get a good night's sleep. It's not enough. So we want to look at can 1% improvements be good enough. I'm trying to remember what episode number that was. I'll put it in the show notes though. I can't find it right now, but it was around the compound effect. And in order to be consistent, we need to have a simple action step, a simple process that we can do. And creating that consistency will be much easier when we have 1% improvements where we're actually able to hit it every day, where it feels doable, it feels easy, it feels good. Instead of trying to take this big, massive action and having these big, large bursts, but it only lasts for a short amount of time. Those were the three key concepts. Number one, choose your heart. Number two, change your self-concept. And number three, always be moving. We're always making progress, always moving forward and celebrating the progress. I just want to throw that in there, too, is we've got to be celebrating the 1%. This is really important. This is how we get our brain on board with doing the small things, with doing the simple things, with staying consistent. We've got to get our brain on board to do that. And it's a bonus here. Get support. If you want to crush your goals in 2022, get support. Find a coach. Find a mentor. Get into a community, get into a paid community, something where people are invested in achieving a certain goal together because you want to make sure that you are solving for the right problems. And that is one of the biggest things that I do with clients is really help them solve for the right problems. We are not trying to solve for food. Food is not the problem. The real issue we have with food is that we think food can solve our emotions. And so it's helping my clients with their cravings and food urges. It's helping them with their emotional eating and overeating habits. It's helping them to feel good about themselves. It's helping them to change their self-concept, to change the way that they think about themselves. Because continuing to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is just the definition of insanity. I'm sure many of us have heard that before. But it's so true. We have to stop thinking. I just have to try harder. I just need to keto harder and run more. I just need to eat less and exercise more. Honey, it's not working. It doesn't work. It doesn't last. It's not sustainable long term. It's not you. 
it's the method that you're trying. It's that whole philosophy. But in order to do things that we've never done before, we often need some help and guidance because you've only ever learned how to solve your emotions with food. We've only learned how to lose weight with this eat less, exercise more. We've only learned that the way to lose weight and keep it off is to cut out carbs or cut out sugar or villainize certain foods and say that they're bad and off limits. We don't have to make it a problem. We don't have to beat ourselves up about it, but we have to recognize that this is the only way that we have really truly learned how to solve a problem. And that's not it. You can probably do this on your own, but it will also likely take you much longer. And I don't say that to discourage you. I just say that from my own experience of continuing to try to do the same thing over and over again, thinking that this time can be different. I just didn't have the right method. I didn't have the right approach. And I needed to get help to figure out what that looked like, how to make this work for me, work for my lifestyle. How do I change my thinking about good and bad, right and wrong? What's good enough? And how can I be good enough right now? So if you have some help with this, then I would love to chat. You can schedule a free consult at bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. You'll find a day and time on my calendar that works best for you. And we'll spend an hour really digging into what is it that you think about yourself right now? What is it that you think is going to happen? Or how do you think you will think and feel about you after you lose the weight? What do you hope other people will think and feel about you after you lose the weight? This is some powerful, important work that we get to do. And this is how we start to create lives that we truly love no matter what. Because the body isn't going to mean anything if we don't also have the life that we truly crave. If you're ready to end emotional eating, you're ready to lose weight eating the food you love, you're ready to figure this out and lose the weight for the last time and feel at peace and ease and comfort around food, you're ready to stop reaching for it because you're bored, stressed, tired, lonely, anxious, worried, or because of any other emotion then schedule a consult. Let's chat. You can do this and I can help. I guarantee. Here's to creating the body and life you crave in 2022. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.